Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Why we got here today, we said there are foundational framework that is important when you start talking about marriage. The first is that marriage is beautiful and exciting. Marriage is a good thing. So you've got to renew your mind about marriage. And I said society does not promote good marriages. Society does not promote good marriages. Society is designed, the media promotes breakup, divorce, you know, all kinds of abuse. So if you're not careful, if you feed your mind on that for so long, the challenge you would have is that you would approach marriage from a fearful position. And I always tell people this, learn to deal with the fear of marriage before you get into marriage. And how do you deal with that fear? By the word of God. Alright, so marriage is beautiful and exciting. Media promotes failed marriages, abusive marriages. It, it, it so you must renew your mind with the word of God. I always said I would have a great marriage. I always said I would have a beautiful marriage. Now, it's very important that your mind is renewed. It's very important that your mind is renewed. Okay, so media will not... Media will not promote good marriages. Media will only promote broken marriages. So if you feed on that long enough, you would have the fear of marriage. And most people get into marriage with the fear. They, they, they are just afraid. Alright? And sometimes if you didn't have positive examples around you, it's the same thing. Number two, after salvation, please pay attention to what I'm t- teaching you tonight. After salvation, the most... I'm going over what we taught last, last time, right? After salvation, the most important decision you will make will be who to marry. Right? This will determine the outcome of your future. That's the most important decision. Who to marry? The choice of a marriage partner, number three, is your sole responsibility. It must not be done in a hurry. It must not be done out of pressure. Okay? It must be a careful decision-making process. Your future life, dreams, and goals depend on this. The three main people involved in this is yourself, your intending partner, and God. So you've got to do it carefully. Um, Sometimes... We spend all our lives in all kinds of relationships and, and, and you really need to watch that. I, I don't know how best I can say it, but sometimes people have a lot of broken relationships before they finally settle. So they, they come into marriage shattered. So you have to, as a child of God, be very deliberate. You, you've got to be careful. Please pay very close attention to what I'm teaching you tonight. If a relationship is forming, I think I talked about it in our church today, clarify. Are we intending to get married? Is this relationship leading to marriage? If it is no, then erect your boundaries. 
Because the challenge most times is that we are emotionally involved with people we should not be involved with in the first place, then it becomes difficult. Are you following this? When, when I was going out, when I wanted to get married to my wife, and I spoke to her, like, can we get married? And then she, she I think she said, I, I was saying for a number of years, maybe two years or so, and she said, no, she won't be able to wait, that her plan is to get married that year. And she was very clear, if we can do it this year, it's fine. If we can't do it, not a problem. So you see what she did, right from the onset, she just told me this is it. And I just felt, oh, I can't lose her. So I had to bring my plan back. Do you understand what I'm saying? This issue of dropping your standard for guys because you feel like if, if I say this, they will say this thing. The issue is that if you don't marry, I want to just ask you a question. If you don't marry, will something actually happen to this world? Because at the end of the day, you've dropped all your standards, you've lowered everything, you're still not married. The guy have slept with you, have kissed you, done everything. At the end of the day, he just say, uh, my mother said I cannot marry a woman from this uh, compound. I mean, I mean, imagine after sleeping with you and everything, the only reason you can't get married is that you are from a particular compound. I mean, it's, it's, it's worthless. Emotions invested, time invested. And unfortunately, we shouldn't mention these things in the house of God, but even in the house of God, we have relationships that are just messed up. Because what we just want is people in our lives emotionally. It's not my, so you will see someone say, ah, I cannot marry this person, but they are involved with them emotionally. So you ask yourself, so why? The most, I mentioned the, the most difficult thing to pull out of a relationship is your emotions. That is why, listen to this and listen carefully. That is why. If somebody goes, if somebody breaks a relationship now, right, and you break a relationship now, we assume this person is not born again, right? Or even if he's born again, but his head is not correct. If you break a relationship now, and after three years, they leave you and that person in, and you will come back together. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, to pull your emotions from someone is difficult. Even if you give them five years, and they come back. That is why, listen, you are not safe with your ex. You are not safe. Hey, he's my ex. We don't have anything in common. Listen to me. Listen to me. Whatever you had in common that made him your ex will find expression if you keep talking to that person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's to tell you that emotions are not easy to pull from people. So you have to guard your emotions in such a way that if you are investing it in any relationship, it is worthwhile. Are you still with me? Number four, never marry with the promise that the person will change or that you will change the person. People don't change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People don't change. Oh, don't worry. After we marry, I'll change. No. You change before marriage. You are not the Holy... Now look at how difficult, how long it's been taking you to change. You. Eh? <laughs> Even some of you have not changed. You know you have not changed. So imagine if you were married two years ago. You will still be who you are. 
Are you hearing this? Number five, if your framework of parameters are set from the onset, it will be a bit easier to know who you can marry and who you cannot marry. This is very important. Set, what are your key parameters? For instance, I think I gave the example. I wasn't cut out for a career woman. I mean, it was simple for me because of my assignment. I needed to travel and everything. So, I actually was looking for a woman who was more family-oriented, who was more homely. So, I mean, one of the, the ladies I wanted to marry, and it was, for me, I, if I wanted to marry someone, I mean, I didn't have all these relationships scattered everywhere. I was just clear. I asked a few questions, and your answer just determined if the relationship be pursued or not. And then, there was this girl, you know, uh, I got to meet, and I thought, yeah, I could marry the girl. And we talked, but she was all career. She was all career. See, today, she still works in the bank, just climbing, 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 climbing. You know, she's just climbing up. So for me, it was just a no-no. I didn't invest the emotions, nothing. Your emotions should be invested where there's going to be proof. And that, listen, this is the number one mistake people make all the time. They put their emotions before logic. So, and then once emotions take on, logic will not respond. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you here? Or you have made mistake already? The way you are quiet... Okay, so so set your parameters, all right? Set your parameters. What are your framework? Yeah? What and what? I'm not talking about natural framework now. Tall, dark, handsome, must have full chest, uh, uh, full package, lady. No, that's not, that's not where I'm going. You can have all of that, but you should have your basic parameters. This is a non-negotiable. That is a non-negotiable. Is that okay? All right. Number six, getting romantically involved is likely to happen. If you spend a great deal of time with someone of the opposite sex, one-on-one, casual moment, just increase sight and sound. Okay, so once you see somebody, see, let me tell you, it's easy to love anybody. It's easy to develop love for anybody. That's how, you're, that's how you were built. If you keep, even if you, listen, even if you take somebody, right, and tell yourself, Example, I can't marry this girl. I can never marry this girl, right? If you say that all the time, I can never marry this girl. And, I'll, and I just give you one year, all right? Keep talking to her. Keep working with her. Keep chatting with her. What's going to happen is that that communication, you're starting, eh, I cannot marry her, but, but, I just like the way she does her hair. I cannot marry again, but then the question I start asking is, what about if you don't really like somebody's hair, but the person can smile? Do, do you understand? Now, watch your, your emotions now. So, before you know, and listen, that is how our parents married. Our parents never married by sight. They just said, listen, this is your husband. And as they kept talking to that man, kept, you know, cooking food for that man, they now grew in love that they were not separated. So let me tell you the truth. Anybody you are not intending to marry, you must give them limited time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen to me. That is how married people also cheat. It is time. Are you following what I'm saying? Once you keep giving time, and it's casual, it's casual, you just just And before you know, the questions will leave work-related. It will now come to your personal life. Before it's like, oh, are you done with that uh, stuff? Have you... Then later, have you eaten? Ah, then, do you understand? And before you know, you'll be reporting your daily activities. 
I've just finished it now. I've just combed my hair. Say, so, oh, well, comb it well. Oh, glory to God. And then, be, before you know, now this, I mean, uh, do you understand what I'm saying now? Before you know, conversation have left purpose. Do, then you start dis- discussing interests. You start, and before you know, so let me tell you, especially ladies, a guy can split his emotions in 10 places. Are you hear what I'm saying? A man can split his emotions in 10 places. For ladies, it's not very easy. So, <laughs> this man is laughing. <laughs> Do you understand? But for a lady, they will concentrate everything. Do you understand? So, before you open that tank, ensure that it's for the right person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. Proverbs 10, 30, 18 says, There are certain things even Solomon did not understand, as wise as he was. Then look at what he said in Proverbs 30, verse 18. He says, There are three things which are too wonderful for me, four things which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the middle of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. So he was trying to say, I don't understand. And this is somebody who married 1,000 women. And he's still saying that he does And that is why you realize that boys become creative when they, they, want, they want a girl. A boy will be very dull. He won't be able to pass exams. But then he likes a girl. And they say, you can't, you know, the, the father now say, you can't see this girl. The boy with device, with, they will still see. I mean, he can be whistling like a bird. <laughs> you know, creativity comes. You won't know where the sharpness comes. He will devise a way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because Solomon said, I don't even know. And this was the person who could answer all the questions in the world. He says, this is some, it's too wonderful for me to know. So, you've got to ensure Alright? And the reason is that so that you can develop healthy relationships along the line without having scattered emotions. Okay. Alright. Now, we talked about um, sham is deceitful. I think that was number seven, right? Beauty than a woman who fears the Lord. Now we'll talk about that. Alright. So, that's what we did last time. Now, in the Old Testament, God and the fathers of faith were very particular about the choice of a marriage partner. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, you know, the Lord talked about the dominion mandate. You should have, you know, God bless them, God gave them dominion and everything. But when you study the Old Testament, you will, you will see that they were very careful about who their children should marry. They were very careful about that. Let's go to um, Genesis 2, 18. In Genesis 2.18, you see something God said here. He said, Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. That word help meet is the word suitable. A helper that is suitable. A helper that is suitable. What do you think the word suitable means? Compactable? What do you think it means? Suitable? What do you think it means? Fit. Suitable. So, pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. Look at this verse carefully and don't, don't miss this. It's not everyone that is suitable for you. 
it's not every man that is what suitable for you. It's not. We're not saying it's not every man that is handsome. Every man is handsome. Every girl is beautiful. But the one question when it comes to marriage, you are asking one question. What is the one question? Come on. What's the one question? Is this person what suitable? Now that suitable is based on your purpose. Because this person ought to help you fulfill purpose. Let me tell you. Hmm? I've been married for 15 years. By the time you finally get married, you now realize that sex is not the biggest thing in marriage. Because by the time you, I mean, you know, you're like, ah, I can't wait. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, I can't wait. Jesus, no problem. By the time you are now married, you now realize that, okay, life has started. Before you realize you have brought another human being eh, to life that you are now concerned about. So you are concerned about children's school fees. Do you understand? You are now concerned about your child. So you just realize that, listen, the only time you really have to be concerned about yourself is this period you are in now. By the time you now find the love of your life, your missing rib, eh? You are not yourself anymore. You can't be concerned about yourself. Let's, let me give you an example. If you were married now, right? You know that you'll be thinking. Even while you are here, you'll be thinking about your husband. Ah, I hope. I hope, you know. Then if you have a child, like, ah, what will they eat? Do you know, that's why some married people can be in service and they are just be looking at you. You think that they, are, they have started cooking. In their mind, say, when I go home, I'll open the fridge. On top of the fridge, there's egg. And you are just preaching. They say, Pastor, go on. The go on is not that they understand. In, in their mind, they say, you know, that's why Paul said that, listen, if you... <laughs> Paul said that when you are married, you are consigned about the things of your husband. It's natural. It's natural. Because you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the things God said to Eve was that your desire will be to your husband. Yeah? So, in every girl, there is that desire. That's why sometimes, if, you don't, if, the Lord does not, if the Lord does not help you, you would always want someone to fill that spot, to fill that space. Praise the name of the Lord. Loneliness must not be the reason why you go and get married. There are people who are married and they are lonely. Okay. In Genesis 24, go to Genesis 24, I'll show you something here. In Genesis 24 verse 1, it says, Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Imagine this, Abraham was blessed in every way. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned, please place your hand under my thigh. He was, um, this is like um, taking an oath. It says, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among which I live. But you will go to my country, to my relatives, and take a wife for my son. Now, what was he trying to say? He said, listen, you can't marry from here. We are covenant people. We don't just marry. Listen to this. You can't just marry who is available. You've got to marry someone in the covenant. And Abraham had to swear. Because of course in those days only the Jews had a covenant. What does that mean? A Christian cannot just marry any person. 
And I'm going to talk about this very deeply because sometimes we'll find Christians who marry without strong doctrinal persuasions. So you believe this, the person you are married believes this. So you have from the same house, husband and wife going to two different churches, they have two pastors. They pray two different kind of prayers. One is calling down fire, one is throwing oil. One is calling down fire, one is throwing oil. And in the realm of the spirit is disorder and confusion that is emanating from that house. Are you following this? He says, don't take so, write this statement down. I, I, I won't marry who is available. I would marry based on the covenant. Alright. Okay, so. In answer, the servant <laughs> said to him, suppose this woman is not willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land from where you came? Then Abraham said, beware that you do not take my son back there. <laughs> But you can imagine, it, it wasn't that Abraham loved that country that he wanted his child to go back. It was the wife that was the key issue. He said, beware, don't take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, and who spoke to me and who saw to me, saying to your descendant, I'll give you this land. Look at what he said. He says, he will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife from my son from there. He, look at how, how, how spiritual Abraham made this process. He says, the angel of the Lord will go before you, and will help you get a wife. That means... Choosing cannot just be natural. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It can't just be natural. But I want you to see how deliberate Abraham mentioned this. You know, these days we joke a lot. And you know, people talk about marriages, uh, scattering, people. It's because we, we we are not intentional. About the people we get married to. We're not intentional. So uh, a young girl is 25, 26, 27 or 30. She, in, from, her, from her 20s, she has been in relationship for 10 years. From, tw- <laughs> from 20 to 22, was, was going out with James. Eh? 22 to 20. So all her life... She has never really been single. Most people have never really been single. They've always been double their life. From secondary school, they had the guy. So they've never really lived alone. They don't really know themselves. Because when you get into a relationship at a very young age, if you are not careful, the man will make you in his image and likeness. So you say, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like somebody who does hair like this. And at that time, you are looking for acceptance. You now do your hair like this. Then you now meet this one. Say, I don't like somebody who does his hair like this. You're looking for acceptance. You know, by the time you don't even know your hair, say, How's your hair? Say, I don't know. Which one do you like? So that's what you now come into a relationship with trying to always please somebody. Uh, which one do you like? Which one? And you now realize that by the time you get into marriage, you've lost your voice and your self-esteem. Because all your life, you're in a relationship trying to please a guy. Listen to me. Anybody that wants to marry you should consider himself favored. I remember when we wanted to get married and then we had this issue and then my father-in-law was like, you know, we won't be able to marry somebody from Delta and all of that before we got married. And then myself and my wife agreed, if for six months this thing don't budge, it will pain us, we will cry a bit, but we'll go our own way. And he said, eh, this thing, listen, it's not only you that will remain single. 
you will be single, I will be single. This team marriage is not that somebody is helping somebody. I mean, ladies, I, I feel for you guys. Oh, you ladies, guys, as a cowboy, yeah. it's almost like your life is like, ah, I found one guy who, I mean, you found a guy or someone found you. You are the one that should be looked after. You are the one that should be sorted. You are God's girl. You are royalty. I found one guy. Have you found? Say, no, I'm not found. I'm still, I'm still searching. No, I'm, I'm, are you? The scripture says, he that findeth a wife. Findeth a good thing. Good things don't run to find people. You stay on yourself. And the one who is looking comes after you. Oh, when my daughter starts growing up, that's what I'm going to drill in her head. Nobody is doing you favor by marrying you. It's not that, ah, when is my time? Not, not your time. The world is waiting for the creativity you have on the inside of you. I mean, you should be so full of purpose that some people should, should, should just mark themselves and say, see that babe, my, my brother, not go near him. Now only people where they speak in tongues. So that means you should be so set in your ways that some idiots don't get close to you. That are even in the house of God. I mean, with all the abilities on your inside, is somebody who does not know where he's going that is now proposing marriage to you. So, once somebody does not have vision, he should not even come around your space. Your standards is not your, your I don't wear, I wear human wig, I wear dead wig. That's not, and you know, a foolish person can buy dead wig. Yeah. We're talking about having a set of values that will eliminate, it's called the law of elimination, that will eliminate people that don't fit in that space. He says, your standards are too high. Nobody has changed the world with low standards. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> so somebody now. <laughs> and I say, you Richard, you are, not, you are not falling in love. <laughs> yeah? Or they buy suya for you. Or they buy on this for you. So you can't buy your own on this. That's why all this collection of gifts. Stop it. You are like a beggar. Oh, it's my birthday. Birthday is loading. Birthday is loading. What do you have for me? What do you have? What are you loading? And let me tell you, some of those things you look like they don't matter are the things sometimes that allow people that shouldn't see. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this very. Don't miss this. Who gets into your space is who you will fall in love with. So you must control who gets into that space. If you allow all kinds of people into that space, this is for both girls and guys, right? This is your space. If you create an intellectual space, only intellectual people will get in that space. If you create a spiritual space, only spiritual people will get into that space. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So your responsibility is to create your space. So it is who gets in that space that you cannot choose from. Imagine at your age as a believer, Choir mistress, Sunday school teacher. The person you are now going out with is now saying that if I don't sleep with you, I will know that you don't love me. I mean, how did that person get into your space? How did he have your number in the first place? That person is not born again. And you know why I can ask you that question? Because you have done certain things to lower your standards before. So he just feels, 
This is not a big deal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She says, go to my father's place. Don't take my kid there, but the angel of the Lord will go. And I want you to say, they didn't take marriage lightly. They prayed. They trusted the Lord. Genesis 27, verse 46. Are you learning something? You know, when I... When I teach marriage seminars and relationship seminars, I'm always very passionate about ladies because I think, I think, and I, you know, I was telling my wife, I was telling my wife, I wanted to post something, and she asked me, so why do you want to post this now? So I told her why I wanted to post it. Then I said, let me not post it again, but I'll say it now, although she said I should not post it. But I'll just tell you. I told her something, I said, you know what I've observed there, and the way we teach about marriage, when a man dies, the woman will wait and wait and wait and most times will not get married. And if a woman dies in six months, the woman, the man has got to marry. I don't know who, who just taught us that being a man just means that you can just do things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you should, you, so it just shows you our default. You know, and I was telling her that I've observed this thing. They will say, eh, the man, the man, who will look after the children? Eh, the man, who will look after the man? Who is looking after the woman? Do you understand that? Now listen to this and listen to what I'm saying. By default, a woman who's lost her husband for the love of that husband will preserve herself and keep herself. A man will not say, ah, body not be firewood. The, the, the other body you are going to join yourself to, is that body still not for? I mean, do you understand? So we develop philosophies that empower men to misbehave. And that's why you now see that when women are getting into a relationship, they get into a relationship from a subservient perspective. And you have to deal with those mindsets. Because you ask yourself that, what about the woman who refuses to get married? It's a mindset. It's a mindset. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, I was speaking to my kids yesterday, and they were asking me, what about if I had only one child? Because we wanted to have one child, so we told them before. So we told my daughter why we had her. We went somewhere, and then my son said, let's buy a baby for, for him. So no, they don't buy babies, they make Right, so I mean, we're having a conversation, but when I was speaking to my wife and I said, Listen, I mean, we wanted to have one child. I told her, I said, Listen, if that child is a girl, it's final, if it's a boy, it's final. You don't need anybody to carry your name if you lived well. So, you need to ask who you are going to marry. All this conversation, it's not like when you now have four girls. You are still getting pregnant, six girls, seven girls, because the man is looking for who to carry his name. You Listen, you need to have that conversation. Boys and girls, do they have the same value in your eyes? Have that conversation. Because if they don't have the same value, let's say peradventure you have three girls. You now realize that you are in a pressure to have a male child. High blood pressure is going on. So have that conversation. How... How do you see a girl child? How do you see a boy child? Say, I like girls, oh, but... You know, I say, well, let's solve that. You know, you laugh about these things, but how many of you understand what I'm saying? Some of you are six in your house, not because your father wanted six. And then when that boy now comes, they now spoil the boy. 
because the boy now becomes unruly. Ah, don't touch my boy. Don't touch my boy. Now, you now pass six girls to bring forth an unruly man who now destroys the labor of that six girls. Then by the time the father dies, six women will be looking after one man who is not well trained. Ruth said to Naomi, say, you are better to me than seven sons. What Ruth was trying to say is that this girl is worth seven men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's the capacity she developed. That's the capacity she developed. You, and for guys also, when you are going after a girl, that's how you should see the girl. See the girl as a valuable person you want to cultivate, treasure, nurture, bring out your potentials. Somebody should get into a relationship with you and they are diminishing. Diminishing intellectually, diminishing spiritually, diminishing morally. Somebody gets into a relationship with you and they are losing access. Somebody gets into a relationship with you and they are losing convictions. It shouldn't be. Convictions should be what? Strengthened. I get too passionate about this subject, right? <laughs> Genesis 27, 46. Are you learning something? Look at what look at what said. Verse 46. Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? She, she was passionate. She said, please, don't let my child marry from these people. Don't let my child marry from these people. He said, what good would my life be? So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Remember what Abraham did, Isaac is doing. He says, arise, go to Padaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there, take yourself a wife from daughters of Liban, your mother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of people. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you. He says, don't take a wife from here. You can't marry from everywhere. You are not just marrying a girl. You're marrying purpose. You're marrying destiny. And that's why that process, you need to start engaging it carefully and what? Prayerfully. Are you still here? So anytime I see you, I'll just be smiling. So, so for the remaining 80 years of your life, what you are going to base your marriage on is that when you see this person, you just smile. <laughs> You know, when you are going out with someone, you are seeing them in their best elements. When you get married to them, you see them in their worst elements. Do you understand? You know, I mean, let's imagine you're in a relationship now and the guy is coming to your house. What are you going to do? Ah, clean up, ah, refreshing, ah, dress. You know, ah, my guy is coming, my guy is coming. You will cook. Even when you are going there to the guy to hire people, Come and clean the house. Hey, guys, come here. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> when both of you are married, there's nobody coming again. <laughs> Do you understand that? So, I oh, this house dirty. So, Am I your slave? <laughs> now, she will never say that in the relationship. Yeah. 
When you say this house is dirty, oh my dear, house is dirty. Why we house dirty when I'm alive? You know, and you clean. Now, the point is that I, you are now going to marry somebody who will now be asking you, am I your slave? Do, do you get what I'm saying? So listen to this. If that man is not hardworking by default, you will have to do all the housework for the remaining years of your life. So, do, do you get it? This is not to make you fearful. It's to make you realistic in your conversations. So, you should have conversations. Do you understand? I'm not very good with housework. I'm not very good with housework. Huh? So, right from even when we started, when we got married, I have always ensured that I save enough money to buy things to replace what I should do. So even while we were still very early, I bought a washing machine. Sorry, I won't be able to help you to Sorry, <laughs> I won't be able to help you to wash. Eh? So this is a washing machine. I won't be able to do this. this so I have always bought machines to replace my... If there was a machine that you could just plug it to clean the whole house. Do you understand? I, see, I know I should help. But guy, I know fit. <laughs> do you understand? So I will use money to replace... That, so you, you, do you understand? It's not that if my wife cleans the house, she's doing me a favor. It's not her house. It's our house. So I also have a responsibility to clean the house. Do you understand that? It's not like I have a house. My wife should be cleaning the house. No. You had your one room. I had my one room. Both of us now came. We are now staying in self-contained. What that means is that one room is your own. One room is my own. Okay. <laughs> because some of you have started cleaning even people that are not married, you stop it. Yeah, with the energy you use to clean your own house and the house of the person you get married to, you have wasted it. So by the time you get married, it's like you don't have strength to look after your children. Because <laughs> you have cooked all the food, you have swept all the house, you have washed all the clothes. By the time you now finally marry, all your strength, they won't marry you. Let me tell you, forget it, forget it. Nobody will marry you. When they are serious, they will go and look who they want to marry. They are just using you because they don't have money now to do house girl work. <laughs> the way you are living, they will just give you a peck. Your price is a peck. Say, come, give me a peck. Give me a peck. <laughs> My love. That's, that's your, they have paid you. You finished your work. They paid you. Then put your picture on screensaver, do cake for your, your bed. You are just collecting your salary. When the person is ready to marry, we just say, I really like you, but my people, my people are not very comfortable. My people are not, and before you know, you are gone. <laughs> okay. Genesis 28 verse 9. Genesis 28 9. Let's see Genesis 28 verse 8 to 9. Are you here? So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau went to Ishmael and married beside the wife that he had. Mahalada, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the minister of Nebahoth. So he got married. Genesis 34. Let's go on. I was, I was telling, my, my daughter is still small. But I was telling her that, you know what? I mean, she's small. And then sometimes in their class, they are talking marriage. All the children. My daughter is eight. She's going to nine. So she came to meet me and said, How many children do you think I should have? So I said, He said, How many children will you and mommy like me to have? Both of them. I said, Don't factor us in your plan. We have looked after you now. Immediately you leave this house. It's me and my wife enjoying our life. You bring your children one week and you guys are back to wherever. So don't plan. 
if you can take care of 10 fine, don't factor us, don't think it in your mind that I have my father and my mother in Boni, I will born and send the child home. Listen, we will send that child back to you. So don't think about it at all. We are done with you guys when you go. You come for a quick holiday and go back. Eh? We, like, we, like children. we like children that stay short term. <laughs> So that when you're having any conversation, we're not part of that plan. You see, you need to start talking about what you don't want now. So they grow up with it. Because some of you, that's how you are just aligned. Because you know if you get pregnant now, and the boy does not marry you, you can carry the child and go and give your mother. And he's making you responsible because somebody is taking care of your responsibility. Listen to this, I don't ever forget it. When you become irresponsible, somebody has to be responsible to clear that mess. It won't go away. If you give birth to a child now, somebody has to take care of that child. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even if the person takes care of that child and frees you, that person's responsibility is what is taking care of your responsibility. Even in marriage, if a man is not responsible, the responsibility of the woman becomes two. Because he has to take responsibility of that man's what? Irresponsibility. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, somebody misbehavior, somebody has to live right to, to be able to handle it. Are you still here? Right. Genesis 34. Let's read this now. Genesis 34. Verse 8 to 9. But Hamas spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourself. And all of that. This intermarriage. These people he was married were the people that raped Dinah. And this actually caused a big, big, big sore in the history of Israel. When you marry someone, you're marrying their culture. You're not just marrying an individual. You're marrying their culture. So you've got to understand their culture. What is their culture now? We're not talking about just their natural culture. We're talking about their way of life. How does this person see life? How does this person see money? Are you following that? So it is, let me tell you something, right? You know, when I teach this way, I'm not making marriage fearful. Like I said, marriage is a good thing. I only want you to make that decision what? Consciously, Because let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how short the marriage is or how long the marriage is. Every broken marriage has issues you need to deal with for the rest of your life. Let's say you're married, your parents are separated for one reason or the other. They want to come and marry you. You know what will happen now? Say, go and see my father. Say, what about your mother? Say, my mother is that way. Everything is divided into two. Do you understand? When you have your child, you have to think of Okay, we have gone to see my father. Let's go and see my... Do you understand? What you just carry the child to one place? Two, two people will see you. So for the rest of your life, you're going to do... When that child grows up, you have to explain the story again. Because the child will start asking you, why is it that uh, uh, mama is living in Finiman? Why, why are they not living together? That story will come up again. When that child grows up, he has to still tell that same. So, it's not something that should happen and you just wish away. No! You have to deal with that. You have to deal with that. So, it's a decision that has to be made very what? Consciously. 
In the conquest of Canaan, the Lord gave strict prohibitions against intermarriage. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 3 to 4. It says, do not intermarry with them. Do not give daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods and the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. You know what he was trying to say? Deuteronomy 7, 3 to 4. Anybody you marry will influence you. Come on. Did you get that? Hey, did you get that? Deuteronomy 7, 3 to 4. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. So anybody you marry would influence you. So God told them, don't marry from Canaan. They would, they, and you know what? Child of God, please pay attention to this. Don't miss this. Pay attention to this. Solomon was given wisdom by God. God visited him and gave him wisdom. Eh? Solomon now married many wives. And those wives turned his heart from God. That is how powerful marriage is. Do you understand that what God gave Solomon, women took away from him. That's how powerful marriage is. That marriage would influence the direction of your life. Blessed by God. But the scripture says his, wife, his wives turned him away from God. And it was the Lord warned them. He says if you marry from the they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. The Lord had warned them, but Solomon didn't pay attention to this warning. One time I heard a preacher say, he says, and very interesting, I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, pray that your children will not fall in love with the wrong person. He said, because if they do, you will become an enemy. There is nothing, listen, the two most difficult women to convince in this world about anything eh? is a woman who follows a false prophet. Eh? A woman who follows a false prophet. There is nothing you will say in this world about that prophet they will believe. And if a woman has fallen in love, forget it. Oh, forget it. If, if a girl has fallen in love with somebody, for it will take, it takes the hand of God. I'm telling you, oh my brother, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if a woman has fallen in love, they will tell you that, you say, this place is to your death, say, yes, I'm ready to die, I'm telling you, you, oh, you won't say anything, oh, I found happiness, they don't want me to be happy, oh, the only man that I say I can be, I mean, it will be emotions everywhere, that is why, if you don't set before you fall in love, once you fall in love, forget cancer. See, I've seen people who have walked away from lifetime relationships because they fell in love. I've seen people walk away from churches, walk away from pastors, walk away from ah. It was Reverend Simon Afolabi, first love assembly that said that many years ago. He said, always pray that your children will not fall in love with the wrong person. He said, if not, you will become an enemy. They will not be sending people to beg you. And these are things you can see that are obvious, but love will blind you to it. Mike Mudok said, <clears throat> what it took me 11 years to see, my mother saw in one day. My mother told me, don't marry this lady. 
And people will say, ah, no, 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 I'm getting married. Eleven years later, they were separated. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Protect your heart. So once they get in, coming out is difficult. And I'm not saying be rude, be the, but once your emotions have gone, to draw them back is hard. In Joshua 23 verse 12, this same instruction was repeated. Joshua 23 verse 12, this same instruction was repeated. Not to marry from people that did not have the covenant. What that simply means that a Christian cannot be comparing an unbeliever for marriage. That is a good man. He just that he smokes a little. Listen, listen. You don't have a basis for that. You don't have a basis for that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't have a basis for that. The, the scripture is a look at for Joshua 23 12. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of this nation, this which remain among you and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you, and then the curses begin to, to come. God always warned. God always warned that. First Kings 11, as wise as Solomon, it was his intermarriage that led to his downfall. There are people who are vibrant from the Lord and they got married. And today, we can only be led to the ashes. One of the things that I ever told myself was I was never going to marry somebody I had to encourage to serve God. You are now waking up your husband for morning devotion. That I will never go and marry somebody that would encourage to serve God. It was big for me. So I think one of the, one of the things that really attracted me to my wife after we talked to my wife was the secretary to their pastor alright and you know when I call her she's, she was just all over in church doing all this stuff in church for me it was big because especially I knew the call of God of my life and today she's such a super blessing imagine you now marry a pastor's wife who doesn't want to come to church eh? or you marry a pastor's wife who is not very passionate about the things of God or you marry a pastor's wife who doesn't like to deal with people. I don't just like to hang around people. just like my space, my space. Space? Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's not bad, but I'm saying, will that work with the assignments? Do you get what I'm trying to say? I mean, two weeks out of the month, I'm usually out preaching. Do you have to deal with that? Because whether I'm, I'm, if I'm not home, she's home with the kids alone. So you've got to factor all of that in. If you're a businessman, you have to marry somebody who can, who has the heart for you to invest millions into business and possibly lose it. So you're not going to marry a woman who is very conservative. You say, ah, this business opportunity will take one million. Say, no, 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 no. Just leave, leave us like that. So leave us like that. Don't touch. No, you have to. Do you understand? Your purpose will reflect on the kind of choice of woman you marry. And you know if you are going to do big business, you are going to make big losses and big profits. Are you still here? Come on, are you learning something tonight? So Ahab also married, and that led to his downfall. First Kings 16 to 19. Married from outside the covenant. So let's, let's wrap this up very quickly because I want us to take questions. Proverbs 31, 30 says... 
Charm is deceitful, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What is that factor of the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? That's the one thing every child should look for. Every child of God should look for. Proverbs 31, 30. Listen to this, and I want to explain this very clearly. The fear of the Lord is the person who runs away from temptation. That is how you define the fear of the Lord. Listen to this carefully. It is not the boy who goes to church. Because someone say, um, you can marry, listen, you can't marry everybody who comes to church. Not everybody who comes to church has the fear of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what you are looking for is this man, I, I want to anchor this thing. What you are looking for is, if this man sees that what he's doing goes contrary to the word of God, will this man make adjustments? Because there will come a time in your life where the only thing you'll be able to say, you see, this is what the word of God says, and that person respects it. Because let me tell you, say, uh, if that person does not have the fear of the Lord, eh, let me tell you what will happen. When the pastor calls him for counseling, he will say he's not coming. Do you understand? He said, oh, I'm not going. Uh, let's change church. So it is not about whether the man listens to people. A man can listen to people and listen to the wrong people. Say this man, a guy, he's been listening to people a lot. So. No. For a Christian, it is, does this man has the fear of God? And what is the fear of God? The fear of God is that he will protect your boundaries. I mean, you know what the fear of the Lord is? Joseph, story, Genesis 39, 11 to 12. Okay, so what you're looking for is the fear of the Lord. Um, both the man and the woman should possess the fear of the Lord. Now, Second Timothy two twenty two, Paul told Timothy, "Flee youthful lust." Now, I want to do some. When he says flee youthful lust, at this stage of our lives, what is very predominant is your energies are high. You know, biologically, you are already. All around us, we have all kinds of romantic stuff going on. You can hardly watch a movie and you don't have all of that. So, a lot of things around us promote lust. Nothing promotes sanity. Nothing promotes sanity. Our movies don't. Our music don't. Eh? Our and, and then, I think, I, I was reading up something as I was praying for this message. And I found it funny. In fact, you've had, some people have got these... Um, um, romantic apps like romantic stuff, you know, and then it's more like a game, you know, and it's all romance, romance, you, and it's I don't know, but the truth of the matter is that you can't consciously feed on stuff like that, and you will not have your emotions tempered. That's the truth because I mean you're just creating all these fantastic scenarios and all of these, and you're creating all of these sex scenes and stuff around. You're feeling your mind. You're feeling your mind. I didn't even know things like that existed. I mean, I was just reading about relationship and challenges of relationship, and then I came again, um, and then you know how all these things pop up, and then there were all these recommendations, all these romantic recommendations. This one app you can create. I'm like, ah. In our own days, it was romantic novels. Hmm? I don't know if they still write romantic novels now. People who were reading romantic novels, feeding romantic novels. And let me tell you this. When you feed on those things a lot, listen very carefully to what I'm saying. It's your soul that is empowered, not your spirit. So let me explain what I'm saying. 
You know, you feed on those romantic stuff. So your mind creates this romantic picture. This guy will come, he will just talk to me, I will just feel calm, we'll just go out, sit on that coconut tree, you know, just drink coconut, he will carry my leg, rub my leg, I'll put my leg on his lap. Fantastic scene. Fantastic scene. Then you this guy walks into your life and he's all that romantic. Oh, put your leg here. Oh, that's oh wow. Wow. Your spirit is not designing that this is the child of iniquity you are going to bed with. Your spirit is not empowered. You, you have not fed your spirit knowledge to pick things. And I can show you from scripture if I have time. When Paul was to sail, he says, I perceive that this voyage will end in a disaster. But they said, no, the weather was fine. And they sailed. Midway, a crisis came. Your spirit can pick things from people that are very good. And you just know that this person, he is good, but... Something in me tells me 10 years down the line, this thing will be in crisis. But if you feed your spirit, your spirit will pick things. I'll tell you, myself and my wife, it wasn't like we had this, you know, long, we had long time. It wasn't like we had this romantic, ah, I like you, and then we had all this question. No. I mean, we're friends, we, we talked and everything. Then I was home one night. I was home, I was lying down. And then in my spirit, I just felt, this person can be your wife. I just waved it. Uh, (laughs) And then it just came up in my spirit. So, you know, I took my time, spoke to my mentor about it. My mentor asked me a few questions, spoke to my dad about it, and they were sure. And one of the things I told myself was, listen, my mentor and my father will approve whoever, whoever I'm marrying before I propose. Because I didn't want a case where I proposed and I go and they say it won't work. And then I come back and do, I don't really have that heart. To now say it won't work again. I'm very compassionate. So, that, and then I'm, so there was something in my spirit. You, 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 you have to feed your spirit to be sensitive. So that when the right... Because sometimes eh, all these principles I'm teaching you, it might not fly. It might, you do understand what I'm saying? It might just be like... Somehow, the Lord just puts in your heart that, listen, this person will work. And sometimes, the people you ought to marry are already around you. So, your eyes need to be open. Your eyes need to be open. It's like um, Ishmael, Hagar crying for, for water, and then the well was there, and the angel opened her eyes and saw the well to drink. Some of you are waiting for Mr. Right to come, Mr. Right to come, Mr. Right to come. And then the, the spirit is saying, open your eyes, open your eyes, sister, open your eyes. Say, no. He said, we come from Australia. You're on Instagram. You're on TikTok. You're checking DMs. Say, somebody will slide into my DM. Somebody will slide into my DM. And God is saying, somebody has slide into your back seat. Look back. Look back. He said, no, it's my DM. Look back. And then before you realize the people are all married. And then you now say, ah, after all my years of waiting, no. It was your years of blindness. You feed your spirit. You pray in the Holy Ghost. Whenever the thought of your marriage comes, you pray in tongues. You pray in the spirit. You dispel wrong people from your space. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pray in tongues. Let me tell you, anybody, and that's why I'm going to do that conference next year, anybody who had suffered a broken marriage, if you sit down and talk to them, they will tell you, I saw the signs that this thing will happen. They will tell you that when we're going out, there was a statement this, boy, this man made. I thought about it, I just said, let me, and that is it. Listen, if you ask them in all honesty, they'll tell you they picked it. There was one girl 
in our youth service. I was thinking, yeah, can I marry this girl? An Igbo girl. So I was thinking. So I started praying. Before I approached her, I started praying. I was just praying. I said, Lord. So I, there's a prayer I used to pray. I said, Lord, if this thing will not work, let there be an utterance of foolishness. So I was just, one day we were just walking. So she was just saying, you know, I can't do these things without my cousins. Ah, my cousins have to have an input. It was not marriage. In that short discussion of one hour, cousin, cousin, cousin came out. So I began to, I just realized that if you marry this person, is their cousin you have married. That was the utterance of foolishness. I need. For me, that was it. That was it. It just popped up in my spirit that this is it. The statement you were praying about, this is it. So sometimes you have to help, you, God needs to help you. And that is why you need to pay attention to some of those words. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Those careless words, when they are relaxed, that's what they really mean. You are just doing something. Now I say, ah, how can, how can a, a girl talk to a man like that? You know, flogger with belt. Okay. 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 Just pause. Don't take him up. You say, no, I was just joking. Flog me. Ah, I can never touch you. Really forget it. Forget it. That guy will beat the hell out of you. They will, the, the way they will beat you, you won't believe your life. It's called utterance of foolishness. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, sister, when your heart has started beating, when his phone rings, listen to those callous statements. You are now marrying somebody. I say, all these pastors, the pastors, the pastors are thieves. Listen to me. That is one person who will not have respect for the local church. And if he wants to throw you away tomorrow, no pastor will be able to counsel him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you, you've got to. You've got to. And there are people who will know all of that and say, listen, we can't speak against pastors. You, do, do you get what I'm saying? You know that this man, listen, I've been married for 15 years. I've cancelled all sorts of marriages. The number one challenge I've had with marriages that were broken was the fact that nobody could talk to the man involved. And he listened. So when you hear statement like, I don't really listen to anybody, I'm a man of my own, listen to me, watch that statement. It might look good today because he's using the money to buy hair cream for you. But a time will come where when you are in an unconditioned environment and you're still sweating, you don't know that your problem is not physical anymore. At that time, you will need somebody to talk to him. That is when he won't listen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, a Christian marries the man who fears God. That listen to me, without a third party, if you open your Bible to the man and say, my dear, this is what the word of God says. He will respect the word of God enough to change his ways. That is it. That's just the key. Uh, it's what the Bible says. But, in this our time, <laughs> you are in trouble. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you watch for utterance of foolishness. What is it that would most attract you to a potential spouse? Is it charm? Is it beauty or the fear of the Lord? With a non-Christian, there are only two of these first... Can you put that up for me? Proverbs 31.30. Let me do this very quickly in five minutes. So, in, for an unbeliever, it is charm or beauty. 
But for a believer, it is only the fear of the Lord you should look for. Proverbs 31, 30. It's the fear of the Lord you should look for. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. Put the New Living Translation. Let's see that. I want to do something very quickly. Okay, now, look at this, right? Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly pleased. Now, I want you to follow that beauty does not last, okay? And let me say this. Let me say this for guys. Let me say this for guys. Anybody you are... Far, anybody you are falling in love with now, anybody you are falling in love with now, right? Their body will change. Anybody you are falling in love with now, those breasts will fall. Are you hearing? Ah, just like pointed breasts. Just like pointed breasts. A time will come, they will stop pointing at you. They will start pointing downwards. They will still be pointed, but the direction has changed. I like slim girls. Ah, just like girls. <laughs> Don't worry. A time will come, you will know whether the girl is slim. So, your ultimate aim as a Christian is not pointed breasts. And uh, slim. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on. Are you, are you here? Or you are, why are you pretending like you are not here? Hey, I like my spec. I like my spec. That spec will be altered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ah, I like my guy to just be. And then the guy is going to gym, going to at a point, you tell him, say, listen to me, listen, listen. I'm not contesting for. You say, I have my children now. I'm not doing world championship. Let me be at peace. So, if you approach marriage from just the physical point, listen to me, you'll be disappointed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That woman that's, oh, her tummy looks great and everything. Eh? A time will come, the tummy will come out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you here? Mm-hmm. So there must be something stronger than beauty, because beauty will not last. If you think I am lying, ask your father how your mother was when he pursued her. Eh? If you ask your father how your mother was, he'll tell you that beauty does not last. All this what we're making, guys. Give us the next 10 years. Eh? If you are 30 now, eh? if you are 25 now, next 10 years you are 35. Oh, <laughs> oh you don't think so? <laughs> if you are 30 now, in 10 years' time you are 40. If you live to be 80, that means you are played first half. <laughs> Do you understand? Now, if you live to be 75, if you are 30, eh? if you are 35, it means you have lived half of your life. So don't think you're as young as you think, and don't think your body is as young as you think. So when you make a marriage decision, it should not just be body. And I want to show you this example. Right? I was looking at this. Pay attention to this, please. I was looking at this, right? Now, I saw it on somebody's status. I I saw it on a friend of mine's status. So I asked him, I said, send me this picture. Then I asked him a question. I said, is this man and this woman, are they pastors? And I said, yes, they are. 
I made a mistake, I would have put it on the screen. But if you look at this man's face, can you see this man's face? Alright? The face looks burnt. Right? Like burnt. You know, 10 degrees burnt. Now this was what he posted. He said, 15 years ago today, I was burning bush, they call it bush, and gasoline exploded, covering 12% of my body with second and third degree burns. Carrie and I were 56 days from our wedding. I told her I understood if she did not want to marry me anymore. But she sent wedding invitations from the burn center while I was at intensive care unit. Now, you put this on the group so that you can see the picture. Now, when I read this thing, I, I, now, I, I, I now asked my friend, I said, see, this guy is a believer and the wife must be a believer. He said, yes. He said, they are pastors. Because let me tell you, the girl that your face will be burnt like this and it's 56 days to wedding and while you are the ICU sent out wedding invitation, they marry you because of your stature. And the guy has said, listen, I will understand if you close this wedding. It will not happen to any of us, but think of it that this person I want to marry, if he has second and third degree bones, and then the pointed breast is burnt, and it's 50 days to where they say, guy, everything I was planning. <laughs> this one said, God forbid. <laughs> you say, everything I have based my life on that I've been waiting. Guy, it will work. <laughs> he says, it's altar from your father's house. You understand what I'm saying? He says, he says eh, it can't be burnt. He says, it can't be <laughs> But you understand what I'm trying to say? Because life happens. And I, like I told the guys, you build with crisis in mind. If all things are not equal, will I still stand with this person? That's the test of who you can get married to. It's not when everything is fine. It's that in this relationship, if life happens, can I stay with this person? So that's why beauty is not your aim. It is what that person is carrying. I'm not saying go and marry an ugly person. There's no ugly person in the world. But do you understand what I'm saying? It, come on, do you understand what I'm saying with this story? It means that these two people had a value system that was beyond beauty. Think of it, though. That the person you are going to get married to in his ICU, then you still go ahead. And the person gave you option. That's what I like. That, listen, I can understand if you want to break this thing. And he said, no, I'm going ahead. When I read it, I said, no, this has to have a God factor in it. It will take conviction to get this done. 1 Corinthians 7.39, the New Testament upholds this. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. Put that up for me quickly. Look at this. Look, leave it, new living transition. Look at this quickly. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone. Listen, it says, listen, if a woman is married and the husband dies, the woman can marry anybody. But look at the criteria that Paul put. It says, anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. That means you are free to go and marry anybody. But you know what? You must check for their love for God. Paul put that clause in the New Testament. And listen, this is a woman who was already married. Though. Paul was saying, if you are going into your second marriage, if the man dies, even though you were married before, don't forget to look for the fear of the Lord. Don't forget to look for the love of the Lord. That you have freedom of choice. 
only within the constraints of if this person have the love of the Lord. So what you are checking for is the love of the Lord. And the love of the Lord says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Yeah? That means that the person who loves the Lord obeys God's word. So you are checking how this person obeys the word of God. These are the things to check for before you start talking about marriage. Alright? So 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Righteousness and wickedness have nothing in common. There's no fellowship with light and darkness. Alright? The scripture says, the scripture says that you must not put two animals, different animals together. Don't yoke two different animals. Don't yoke an oxen and a donkey. If you are putting a yoke on two animals, it must be an oxen and an oxen. You can't plow your field with two different animals. What the Lord is saying, you can't plow your field with people that have two different natures. You cannot have the nature of Christ and somebody has the nature of Satan and you plow the same field. It won't produce good result. So what you are checking for as you get ready for marriage is the nature. Is this person born again? Do they love the Lord? Do they fear the Lord? Do they respect the Lord? Not that they go to church. No. Anybody can go to church. Praise the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 9.5 and then I'll stop there. 1 Corinthians 9.5 Paul says, don't we have the right? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? As do the other apostles. Paul uses the word a believing wife. Go back to NSB. NLT uses the word Christian wife. Now who is a believing wife? A believing wife is somebody who believes the word. Who is a believer. Who acts according to the word. So Paul saying even if we wanted to marry. What we are looking for is a believing wife. Not just a wife. Take these two New Testament scriptures and spend time on them. You are free to marry anybody you like. But check their love for God. Check their love for God. What will keep your marriage is that man's love for God. What will keep your home is that man's love for God. When the crisis of life comes, it's the love for God that will keep the sanity of that home. And then, it should be somebody who is believing, who believes the word. Now, if I had more time, I'll talk to you about the categories of Christians. Alright? If you are a spiritually hot Christian, don't marry a carnal Christian. Let me just say that very quickly. If you believe that a Christian should not drink alcohol, don't go and now marry somebody who says you can take a little wine for your stomach sake. You will open a bar in your house. Come, are you hearing what I'm saying? Huh? No, these are simple things, but myself and my wife, we strongly believe believers should not take alcohol. So it's a, non, it's a non-negotiable in our house. It's a non-negotiable. It's nothing like social drinking. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Check all these things. Don't be a spiritually vibrant brother. And you not marry a Christian sister who is not vibrant. And you say, you are going to disciple her up. You might disciple her for the rest of your life. Are you following what I'm saying now? So you've got to check. Then the, the, the other thing I'll say here is doctrinal persuasion. It is good to marry people that are aligned in the same doctrine. It's very important. It's very, I've seen people go, you know, where doctrinal persuasions are not clear, and they just go in, and then it becomes a challenge. So you need to check all these things, and these are the conversations you need to have, especially as you get ready for marriage. And I'll say this. Any relationship at your age, everybody here except for maybe the few guys who are a bit younger haven't gone to university, for, but most of you that I'm seeing, any relationship you're putting your leg now, should be a relationship where the person is, is heading straight for marriage. And so from the onset, ask the question, Sister, 
brother, where are we going with this? He said, I just want us to be friends for a while and we'll just see ourselves. For how long? He said, let's be watching. Mm-mm, we can't be watching. Is it six months? Is it? You see, because this is, what, this is what, and I think I've said this many times. Don't allow people space in your life that will block other people who are interested in you from getting into your life. So, between two of you, ah, it's nothing, we're just friends. But to us in the outside world, we're waiting for your card. Every time they see you is this brother. This brother's name is on your lips, like ointment poured forth, according to the book of Psalms. Every time you mention is this brother, whoever is this sister. And you say, oh, it's nothing, no, we're just uh, Christian brothers and sisters. We don't know that. We don't, because you don't write it. We don't know that. So, I, and I've said this again, and sisters make that mistake a lot. Sisters put brothers in their life that don't have intention to marry them and block the people that will marry them. And those brothers already will go and marry someone else. Listen to me. It's your time you are wasting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, there's what you call 10 centimeters for free kick in football. When there is a foul and they are going to play free kick, they will measure 10 cm and say, stay here. Listen to me. There should be 10 centimeters around your heart, around your space, around your house, around you. Anybody that crosses this 10 centimeters is heading towards marriage. If they are not heading, let them stay here. And play the free kick from here. <laughs> listen to me. Don't joke with what I'm telling you. Because listen, I have had credible sisters miss people they should marry because of this one thing. He said, eh, but if, if, eh, if you are really interested, you will still try now. It's a carnal brother that does that. It's somebody who is not born again that will see that you have somebody and will still... Do you understand? The average Christian who is well taught, if he sees somebody, you will just feel that this person... Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I've had sisters who missed brothers that we've had conversation what about this person ah, that guy that guy is with him now and then and then later we narrate and the guy said jesus christ say no what is bible we're just reading to reading bible no now no no now no the, the bible was too close no you can't do you understand say we're just reading bible and praying no you can't do that because to the outside world it was more than bible so, there are times you should let people know how far this space is too close. Move back to that. See that line there? See that line? It's like when you're playing football and then all the players are rushing. Then the referee calls them back and draws the line and says, stay here. There is nothing. No, it's nothing to you, but it's something to me. And I'll say these last words. Emotions of a lady, they are difficult to pull back. Listen, you might think in your heart... Nothing is happening. Nothing, nothing will happen. You might just be in the room one night. Eh? And they say, ah! Like David, how long for the water of the world from the Philistines? And then trouble has started. Trouble has started. Save yourself the stress. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It might look difficult, but this, what I'm teaching you now, is the number one reason why lots of people can't maintain purity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are charts you should not have. There are calls you should not have. There are times calls should not be made. There are words that should not be used for certain people. 
Are you hearing what I am saying? Because this is not prayer point. You set your markers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that you will have something saved for the person you want to get married to. It's not that you have exhausted all your emotional energy in people that are not marrying you. When you now find the person that you want to get married to, you say you to the core. To the core person. Because you are tired. All your life, you have done customer care with your ears to people who are not married. Have you eaten? Have you, have you, have you, have you, have you, then you are tired. So by the time the person you want to marry is not calling, your ear is tired of hearing. Are you? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you take these words, you engrave them in my heart, in our hearts, and in the name of Jesus, we are strengthened with might. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.